You are listening to the Grow Law Firm Podcast, where each guest shares actionable, practical ideas with you on how to get more clients, expand your reach, and grow your law firm's revenue and profit. Here's your host, Sasha Burson. Welcome to Grow Law Firm Podcast. I have a terrific guest with me here today. Here today. Hugo Gomez of Abogados Now is different from most other guests I had here. Hugo Gomez is a marketer, just like I am. I listened to somebody else's very popular podcast in the legal community a few months ago, and that's where I heard Hugo's voice for the first time. And I reached out to my team and I'm like, yeah, I gotta have this guy on my podcast. Hugo, it's such an honor to have you here. Thanks so much for having me, Sasha. So Hugo, your thing is that you guys do, you're a consulting company. You do not call yourself an ad company, you're a consulting company for law firms, working primarily with smaller law firms. I looked at the stats on your website. I believe 40% of your clients are solos. And your thing is that you do all things advertising for Spanish speaking market. That's right. Yeah. Uh, The majority of attorneys that we work with depend on us to represent them online in Spanish, namely on mobile social media and mobile advertising. Very interesting. Why mobile specifically? Yeah. uh, So when I started the company close to six years ago, uh, one of the glaring opportunities that I saw was that the Hispanic market, according to the Nielsen media statistics, over indexes on mobile usage as their primary internet device, um, more so than the general market in the United States. So it's a very mobile first market. And we lead with that. Whenever we talk to an attorney about the market opportunity, oftentimes it's mistakenly diluted down to just the population increase. Uh, it's not just that, it's it's how this market interacts with the internet and it's largely through mobile phones. That makes perfect sense. And if my memory serves me right, I think about one out of five residents in the US speak Spanish, whether they were born here or born somewhere else, like 20% or so speak Spanish, correct? Yeah, that's right. It's about one out of five Hispanic origin, and that could be fully bilingual. That could be fully Spanish dominant. That could be uh, English only with some degree of uh, like Spanish familiarity. Uh, yeah, it's it's going to become 40%. Hispanics are going to become 40% of the market by 2060, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the numbers are pretty alarming in that for the first time, uh, the white population decreased, according to the U.S. Census. Uh, that's never happened before. Uh, so what we're seeing is a complete demographic change in the United States. And so what we're trying to educate attorneys on is that, you know, in order to prepare for the future, you should address the realities of these demographic shifts. That makes perfect sense. So one out of five people speak Spanish. Here's what I was always curious about. And we do marketing, mm-hmm. but the way that we do marketing to Spanish community, the Spanish speaking community is very primitive. We translate the things that we've written in English into Spanish. Yeah. That's the extent of it because our agency are not specialists at what you do. Yeah. We do not have the same capabilities as what you have. I find it very interesting. So I came to this country from Russia of all places 30 years ago and the high school that I went to was, it, it was a very, very diverse neighborhood where I was at. There were plenty of kids there that were born here but they were very bilingual in both Spanish and English. 
I'm curious. This is 30 years from that point now. Yeah. I'm sure there are millions or tens of millions of people who are fluent in both languages. When it comes to advertising for that specific segment, and I believe it's a very large segment yeah. of Spanish-speaking population, do they care to interact with lawyer advertising in Spanish, English, or is it irrelevant to them? It's sort of, I mean, it's it's it depends, right? I, I think it comes down to how long you've been into the country. At least that's what our data suggests. That the new you are, the newer you are into the country as a Hispanic person, it's more likely that you're going to be a little more receptive to Spanish language marketing. But as you assimilate more, as you as as English may or may not become a better part of your daily language usage, you might be more receptive to searching for help in English than it is in Spanish. Um, it really depends. Uh, we, we've seen it. It depends on how long you've been in the country in terms of the data that we've seen. Got it. That makes sense. Let's make some generalizations. When sure. we think about advertising legal services, mm -hmm. there are a number of practices or sub-segments there. Which segments, and I know that you work across all of those, but right. which segments do better and which segments do worse if you look at the same geo markets? Yeah, so in terms of practice areas, is that right? Correct, yes. Yeah. Uh, well, generally speaking, um, the Hispanic market uh, is, is especially in the immigrant market, um, largely working class. So issues that affect uh, blue collar workers will more than likely uh, be more attractive to rather issues uh, that affect blue collar workers will result in more cases for uh, attorneys like those that work in labor law for wage and hour disputes or workers' compensation for work injury issues. Um, however, on the flip side, what we're seeing now is that multi-generationally, Hispanics are now passing down uh, assets, homes, businesses. So estate planning has become uh, quite new in the Hispanic market in the last 10 or 15 years, and that it continues to grow. So uh, it's not necessarily that there's only one area of law that is most likely to get more clients within the Hispanic community. We're seeing it across the board. Um, business ownership, uh, formations, uh, estate law, probate, uh, obviously injury accidents, work accidents, uh, virtually all the issues that generally the majority of the country interface with. Uh, we're seeing across the board uh, similar distributions within the Hispanic community. Mm, very interesting. So let, let's picture a scenario. You you mm -hmm. work with so many law firms. And I love it that you have an FAQ section on your website. They went through all of those questions and answers. And Thank here's you. What I, here's a, absolutely. I think it's very helpful Like to me prior to, prior to the interview when I was looking up information about you and to somebody who is who may be considering hiring you. One of the frequently asked questions that's posted on your website is, what if I, pretending that I'm a law firm owner or an attorney, what if I don't speak Spanish? I don't know the statistics, but I assume that a good percentage of law firms do have Spanish-speaking attorneys and support staff, and even a higher percentage of law firms do not have Spanish-speaking attorney or support staff. Let's picture a scenario that you're an employment law firm. You're based here in Chicago where I am. Mm -hmm. I do not know the percentage of population here that speaks Spanish, but I know it's high. 
is yeah. very high, right? So it's probably 15, 20, 25 percent of the Chicago speak Spanish. Sure. So and we do not have paralegals. We do not have intake specialists. We do not have lawyers who speak Spanish. But we're seeing that our competitors who do are increasing case flow while ours are stagnating or decreasing. What can you do for us? How would you help us out? Yeah, so the majority of attorneys that are in our program don't speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. And the only prerequisite or the only requirement um, to join our program is having some bilingual staff, namely intake. Even if intake is third party or outsourced to an extent, that'll be more than sufficient. What we found is that, let's say there is a Spanish speaking consumer, let's say you own, own an injury firm in Chicago, um, someone who speaks Spanish, speaks to your bilingual intake team, it ends up being a case and uh, you want to invite that person to your office or have a Zoom call or a phone call with that, that client that now signed that retainer agreement with you. What we find is that more often than not, that person will bring someone who speaks English with them to that meeting. And it's it's almost like cultural at this point. Like we, we don't yet know why that's the case. We just know that that's more than likely the case. Now, if you have uh, someone that specifically manages cases in-house, uh, that could be an attorney or maybe it could be a, a case manager or receptionist or um, anyone that works in the staff administratively who speaks Spanish, that person will end up being the de facto point of contact for that Spanish speaking client. It's so what we find is that no matter what, no matter what your capabilities are, that client is, if they really want to work with you and if they really trust, you know, the, 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 the history of the firm and your prior successes, they're going to figure out a way to work within, with, within your firm. I love it that you brought up the word trust. And when I think about trust, here's something that I'm sure some people who are watching this, listening to this, are thinking about. I, law firm owner, don't speak Spanish. Most of my yeah. staff doesn't speak Spanish, but I'm running ads in Spanish. Yeah. When, when they call my firm, even if I have an intake specialist who speaks English, whether they're outsourced or in-house, mm -hmm. even if I do have support staff that speak Spanish, but I don't, I feel like there is a little bit of um, breakdown in the trust because my ad was in Spanish. Sure. But here I am, non-Spanish speaker. How does that reconcile in real life? You got to just be honest in your advertising. So oh, if you have a, yeah, if you have a Spanish speaking attorney, why not promote it? Have them on camera, have them speak on don't? camera. And, but if you don't, what, what we promote is a bilingual staff. Huh. So that, that's what's key here. It's like you have to set the expectation that no matter what, for those watching this ad in Spanish, there's a promise made that if you call in, someone is going to answer that phone in Spanish for you. Uh, we go, we work to the extent where phone menus or IVRs are completely eliminated from the campaigns that we run because we yeah. want that, um, that we want the Hispanic consumer to call in and immediately talk to someone who's going to answer on behalf of the firm in Spanish. So we can make that promise. And as long as the attorneys, uh, work with us on that promise and that there's a commitment to that promise that what we advertise is what we'll, the co the consumer will experience, uh, there, there will be no breakdown of trust. Um, the last thing that we want to do is put an attorney on camera trying to sort of figure out their way to speak Spanish. We don't want to do that. 
we don't want to pretend that anyone speaks Spanish if they don't speak fluently. We want to be very honest. Either we're promoting a Spanish-speaking attorney, of which there are very few, or we're more than likely promoting the bilingual staff. Yeah, what, what, what you said that you, you do not want to put up an attorney who doesn't speak Spanish but try to speak Spanish. What came to my memory three or four years ago, Joe Biden going up on the stage to speak in front of Spanish-speaking community. Yeah. And what does he do? He plays Despacito by Justin Bieber. Yeah. Bonkers. Yeah. Bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> so, so these are absolutely great insights. What I love what you just said, that's absolutely applicable or should be applicable to all law firms. Get rid of your automated attempt. Like get rid of your automated phones answering system. Just don't. I'll kill it. I, I think there was a call rail stat. Don't quote me on this. I'll find it. Um, that said that if a Spanish speaker calls into any organization and they answer in English, up to 60% of the calls will be hung up on, which is a crazy statistic. And so we also hear these IVRs that, that have these like long intros for the firm. Like, you know, thank you for calling the love it firm. Uh, please press one. If you have an existing case for us, please press two. If you'd rather speak to us in Spanish. And all I'm thinking of is what if the person doesn't speak Spanish, they're going to hear that whole intro, not know anything with not know what to do. They, they may have already hung up by the time that, 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 that second option was presented to them. So we're really insistent on cutting out any layers of resistance. You know, we want, we want the consumer to talk to the attorney immediately or rather the firm immediately because of the competitive nature, we're running ads on Google and LSA. Um, there's some SEO benefits. There's Facebook, YouTube. No matter what, though, if someone's online, they're going to be presented with options. So we want to make sure that the consumer gets in touch with the firm immediately so that they don't feel the need to want to shop around more. Yeah, absolutely. So when people call your firm, this is the moment that they stepped into a sales process with your law firm. You call it the intake. The rest of the world calls it sales. Yeah. You want to remove every possible friction point that you have in the sales process. If your competitor answers the phone when they call, and if your automated system or IVR answered the phone when they called your firm, your competitor gets a little plus and you get a yeah. little minus because you just created friction that puts you at a competitive disadvantage. It's not worth the savings of not having a real human being answer the yeah. phone. Yeah, and nailed it. Yeah, and and so we, we don't see any different behaviors between English or Spanish-speaking markets. It's speed to contact mm -hmm. in a highly competitive online world. That reigns over anything. You could have the best creative, you could have the best CRMs, and you could have the best telephony. If you're not answering the calls immediately uh, or doing outbound calls immediately, you've, you've lost half the battle. Yeah, 100%. Here's what I also found curious about your consultancy, and that is your focus is on advertising mm -hmm. and not other services. And I get why that is, but I want other people to understand why advertising is first for Spanish-speaking uh, consumers. Yeah, so generally when we talk to attorneys, they're, they're looking for business above and beyond what they're doing. Uh, it's pretty rare that we talk to an attorney who has zero experience in marketing or advertising. Generally speaking, 
we talked to an attorney who has this trajectory. Uh, they've done, you know, between 100,000 to a million in revenue. Um, they believe that the English market is saturated, which is 90% of the time fairly accurate. And what they, what they know is that they need to do something different and they're exploring different options. So when, when they speak to us, they know that there is potential just based on the growing Hispanic population. It's ambiguous to them. They just know that it's sort of like a North star that they should be referring to. But at the same time, they're also reviewing other programs that are super video intensive. They're going after um, branding uh, consulting firms. They're, they're kind of thinking of different options than just the website and SEO run of the mill program that we're seeing so often in the agency space. So when we work with attorneys, they're oftentimes pretty aware that that they that that they're trying to do something different, that they need to do something different in an increasingly saturated the English speaking place. So we tell attorneys if if you're looking for business right now, if you want to make the phones ring right now, there's a premium to that. You've got to pay the Googles and the Facebooks of the world. But if you pay the Googles and the Facebooks of the world, you may as well do it with another market. That way you get some added advantage of savings on media costs, namely because Spanish media is generally cheaper. So uh, I think that's very attractive to attorneys who just want to find incremental volume fairly quickly without needing to wait six or 12 months. They understand that, okay, by advertising, even at a premium, it's going to play into their favor because they're going to see those direct phone calls. Let me translate part of what Hugo just said in marketing speak. And that is running an advertising, whether on Google or on Facebook, for exact same keywords in English will cost you more than those very same keywords translated into Spanish. As in, you may pay $20 per click for employment lawyer, versus don't let me butcher how do you say it in spanish yeah like uh don't what was the, the phrase employment lawyer oh yeah um abogado laboral yeah there, there you go right yeah. so so abogado laboral may cost you like 25 percent of what it costs you to get a click on employment lawyer that's correct yeah and because there is probably fewer competitors those prospects may actually convert at a higher rate. So the end result, you may be getting business that is the same average case value at a lower acquisition cost. So let's imagine that your average case value is 10 grand. And for an English speaking prospect, you may spend $1,500 or 15% on acquisition of that $10,000 case value. But with a Spanish speaking prospect client, you may be spending one quarter of it or roughly $375 just because that cost per click is so much lower and it's less competitive. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. And it's less competitive because oftentimes uh, many firms that try to advertise in Spanish, they simply translate what works for them in English and assume that that will work in Spanish. And it almost never does because why th there's it's, it's not a language exercise of what we're doing. It's a completely, it's a cultural exercise. For instance, in English, we never have content or copy or imagery or moving images that um, uh, that reference undocumented persons, for instance. But when we're advertising to Hispanic audiences, that can be a, a, a decisive um, 
some that's some, that could be something that that drives a decision for someone who may or may not have legal documentation in the United States. If, if they're they've been into a car accident or if they have some uh, wage and hour issues, they may think that they can't talk to a firm because of their legal status. But if we can confidently promote that their data is held in confidence, that their legal status is in confidence, that it, that we won't compromise. Um, they're standing in the United States, they may want to work with that firm. That's something that's almost never discussed in English marketing, generally speaking. So it's it's a very cultural um, angle. We, we take it more of a, a, as a cultural exercise than a translation exercise. So let's call it what it is. You can shoot straight in Spanish. Yeah. But you have to be politically correct in English. Potentially, yeah. I think, I think there's just less folks in, who speak English that are sensitive to documentation status, right? Sure. Um, and so I think it, it's more of an issue in, among the Hispanic community uh, than uh, on the averages versus that of the general market. Here's how I think about it. So for example, sure. if one of our clients tasked us to advertise them and said, hey, translate our ads into Spanish, mm-hmm. this is something that my marketing company would not think of. It maybe it depends. It's, again, it depends on the staff, right? Um, there's a, a phenomenal book called Hispanic Market Power. It's by um, one of the leading multicultural marketers. His name is Isaac Mizrahi. And he speaks extensively about how agencies and marketing companies that don't really specialize in this, all they need to do is staff up to some extent. You know, uh, I would love to say that, you know, we have some secret sauce that we have amazing algorithms and crazy technologies to, uh, you know, hyper-target Spanish speakers. It's not, it's, it's our staff. Like we hire bilingual marketers who, who know um, a tremendous around, uh, amount of copywriting tactics that speak to different market segments of, of the Hispanic community. So um, it, it's really a result of, of staffing, I think. Makes sense. There's one more thing that I wanted to add. I earlier asked why advertising works Mm -hmm. better for Hispanic community. And I think it is because of what you started with. It's a mobile first community, meaning many Spanish speakers, especially those who are not in the country for too long, this is their access to the internet. They do not have desktops. Desktops are kind of outdated. I'm a dinosaur. I have a desktop. They do not have laptops. Some of them may or may not have tablets, but this, everybody's got. And here's the thing. When you're looking for a service provider on Google, as most people do, Mm -hmm. when you're going to search on mobile, it's going to take you time to get to organic search results. Yeah. And what I know about Hispanic market is that they're less inclined. I read studies about that a few years ago. They're Mm -hmm. less inclined to sit there and read different blog posts and figure things out on their own before reaching out to service providers. It is a different approach. So they're more likely to click on ads as they appear, as long as the copy, what the ad says resonates with them, rather than scroll and scroll and scroll, get the organic search results, read, 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 and then make a decision. Is that correct? Right. Yeah, I think so. I think um, this is especially true in English and Spanish among working class folks. Working class people are, are busy working, right? They don't have the, the luxury of, of research and development. 
Um, and I think one of the one of the more unique things in the Hispanic market as well is how impactful create like the the quality of the creative is. Um, I can speak to one particular case study where um, we it was more more of a high production shoot video shoot for a personal injury firm here in California, uh, where in English uh, the videos that we produced on this one shoot. Um, it had had a lot to do with sort of poking fun at the uh, the mascots of the insurance companies, like the Limu Emu, uh, the Liberty Emu. Uh, there's the Progressive Flow. Um, there's also Jake from State Farm. We had you know a lot of fun working um, with this this idea of making them like bad guys. These really likable insurance company people. We made them into bad guys in this English commercial, but um, we knew that that wouldn't translate well in Spanish. Uh, what we knew because these these aren't like super well known avatars in the Spanish in the Hispanic community. So what we did was we staged on the same day we staged a boxing match between the attorneys and um, you know let's call it general bad insurance guy and 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 their at fault driver who who didn't really care about the the injuries that 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 she that she was at fault for. And again, it was the same shoot, same concept. Um, where we're trying to make a villain out of somebody, but we're contextualizing culture into that. And those videos are doing extremely well because what we did was we listened to the community. We, we had these ideas, we had these creative briefs, and we, we tested it online. We asked you know, numerous survey companies to um, interview the general market, the Hispanic market, and give us feedback on what would work, what wouldn't work. And so we, we take culture super seriously because that is a needle mover. Taking culture into account is almost a business decision at this point, if you want to go multicultural. That makes sense. So if you have any data on this, or, or maybe you could just give, give me an idea. A typical client, when they come to you, I assume that they're not doing any advertising to Hispanic market, or they're doing some and their performance is not great. Yeah. How, how much can their business grow by adding this to their marketing mix? If you're in the top 10 growing states in the United States, that's uh, California, uh, New Mexico, Nevada, Florida, Jersey, New York, Illinois, and there's two, there's three other ones. If you're in the top, let's call it the top 10 uh, trending yeah, Illinois, states. Illinois, Illinois is not. Uh, definitely. I live here. You know, well, maybe Spanish speaking, but but not as a state overall. Oh, correct. Yeah. So yeah. so the 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 top ten states that make up, I believe, sixty percent of the U.S. Uh, Hispanic population. Ah, okay. Yeah. Sense. Like that's that's what you want to focus on. If you're in those top ten states, um, you could presumably, if you're, let's say, you're an injury law uh, attorney and you're you're producing anywhere between ten and thirty cases a month, you could easily add another ten to thirty cases a month within the next quarter if you just advertise to Spanish speakers. Well, what was the starting base point? If you're advertising, if you're generating 10 to 30 cases per month, you just, can double it. You can double that easily. Um, how long? In a quarter. What type of investment would be required to make that happen? Depends on, on your area of law, depends on your metro area. For instance, like your acquisition costs in Houston will be different than those of Los Angeles or Sacramento or Las Vegas. So it can vary. You know, we've seen acquisition costs and injury law range from 1500 all the way to 4500 
uh, for your. How does that uh, translate your... in, into percentage of case value, if you know? Uh, again, so that depends. For instance, uh, we hear a lot of pushback on a four thousand dollar acquisition cost, but those are the those are the areas of law that generate the rather the air, the geographic areas that are most likely to generate higher value cases like commercial trucking or wrongful death or TBIs. Um, again, I'm speaking more so towards personal injury mostly. Yep. But um, generally speaking, uh, I think anyone in those top ten states could double their triple to triple their client clientele within a quarter. And that's not an exaggeration. It's really a result of advertising, having the good creative, uh, being in an uncompetitive space with certain keywords. Um, if you're really committed to it on not just the marketing side, but also the support side, you know, making sure that you have proper intake, that there's a proper client experience with translated documents in Spanish, um, you're going to crush it. And so that's what we try to look for when, when attorneys look for us. Uh, we want to make sure that it's, it's, it's a win-win for both of us. We want to make sure that, that they understand the work that we're doing, but that they're also committed to the client experience after the, the, the case is acquired. I assume that you brought up this last point is because you're probably getting some pushback from some prospective clients and some existing clients on them just wanting to get those phone calls in and they do not want to worry about the other component. But I think from what you said earlier, yeah. having the right personnel to do intake in Spanish, it's not half the battle. It's like you don't need to start the battle if you don't have this component figured out. Is that correct? I Yeah, couldn't agree more with that. Yeah, because it, it affects everything. You know, if, if, if you don't have the right staffing, um, at, at the first point of contact, our work is sort of irrelevant, you know, and we want to make sure that the whole client experience is defined before, you know, we even start a marketing campaign. That's not just phone menus, but that's just scripting. That's, um, translation of documents of invoicing that whole experience from beginning to the end of, of that case being settled. We want to make sure that there's an agreed upon process it's because otherwise we have no idea what will be able to advertise what expectations we can advertise. We want to make sure that, that we know the whole experience before we can devise a campaign for it. Got it. I'm going to ask you kind of sort of again, this question, because I think it's yeah. very important for people who are listening to this. And you know, a lot of people are too shy to call or email to ask this question. So for the sake of people who might be like that, who may be watching this or listening to this, yeah. what is a typical investment into hiring your consultancy to doing both creating advertising managing campaigns and actually helping me staff because i know from your website you also do that helping me staff with the right people to do intake in spanish like on average across the whole gamut of your customers clients mm -hmm. when we look at the 80 percent, the representative sample what are they spending between what and what on monthly basis and we can say that the ROI, as it should be, is somewhere between 400 and 700 percent, right? Somewhere yes. in that neighborhood. So we see up to a seven x return Super. on every on everything invested within our programs, and, and I think it's because the margins are higher with lower cost media that has a big impact on see your return. With, we see that with English advertising as well. So that's like not not that's super good. unique, but but it it can be done depending on where you are, depending Correct. on your practice area. But you can get like four to seven x. That's probably doable. Yeah, that, that's yeah. super doable. And as far as um, average advertising invest, monthly advertising investment, 
in personal injury, anyone should be spending at least $25,000 a month in personal injury to make a ne- meaningful move in their Spanish. It's the hard market. truth. It's the hard truth, right? So like you're watching this, this yeah. guy knows what he's talking about. It's yeah. the hard I mean, truth. We, I mean, it's not to say that we've not tried personal injury campaigns under 20. We have in, in the past. We just don't do them anymore because we want someone in our program to win. And we know that there's a premium to winning, you know? Yeah. So um, in personal injury, that's uniquely uh, the, the, the number that we found across the major metros across the United States. Whereas in other practice areas, you know, we've seen, you know, folks in criminal defense, family law, bankruptcy, immigration, you name it. Uh, we don't we don't start campaigns south of five thousand a month yep. uh, because again we want a fair shot we want we want the attorneys to experience some wins and I think that's just going to be the number moving forward. Google um, is not shy about their their position as not being auction based anymore. They are manipulating click prices. They are price setting, and it's now become well known. Uh, they know. Um, the PNLs of all these uh, legal firms and organizations. So they're going to create a marketplace for for the the numbers that they know about already. Uh, so we just know that generally speaking, if you're serious about any type of marketing online, you should be spending at least five thousand dollars to to give it a fair shot a month for three to six months at minimum. But PI, you have to put up twenty five k a month. You got to try it out for three to six months plus. Um, if you don't have that type of investment available. I wouldn't do it. There, there's other ways to generate business. Kill it in your referral community. Kill it in your actual community. Um, you know, be a be an influencer. We've seen attorneys do extremely well uh, selling their per- personalities on Instagram, and they don't spend any dollars on advertising. So um, th- there's other mediums. All, all we're all I'm trying to defend is the position that uh, if you want incremental business right now. Uh, it, it does in injury law rather. It, it's uniquely at twenty five thousand dollars a month. Makes perfect sense. What does it cost to have you your team work on all of this on on average? Uh, on average, again, depends. So many variables here. Um, you know, uh, we have programs where your entry fees are as low as you know six seven k. Uh, when we're talking about exclusives, uh, those are well into the six figures. Uh, in, in, on an annual basis. So uh, depends on geographic areas, depends on practice areas, a lot of variables there. Um, but generally speaking, we're, we're, we're trying to work with firms that are more growth minded, that are a little more sophisticated, that generally have uh, the appetite for growth. Makes perfect sense. I'm so shy, so glad that you're not terribly shy about talking about these numbers because people need to understand it. And I keep on pounding this message year after year that nothing fails as consistently in the business world as cheap marketing. You yeah. want to waste some money, you go hire somebody cheap. Absolutely. And it's incredibly expensive to have somebody cheap working for you on your marketing. It's true. Um, I mean, there, there's that adage, you do get what you pay for. You see that in every service and good. But, yeah. but with marketing, it's actually a lot worse than that. And here's why. When you hire somebody cheap, $1,000 a month, $1,500 a month. The problem is not how much money you're spending with them. The problem is how much money you're not making. Yeah. You could be hiring someone who's four times more expensive, but in reality are free because they're producing so much more revenue for you versus someone who's very cheap working from a spare bedroom, potentially just has a small shop and 
they barely know what they're doing. And the truth of the matter is that 1500 bucks a month gets you about this many hours on a monthly basis. Yeah. And when you go against the powerhouse that charges six, seven, ten thousand dollars a month, this much of labor versus this much of labor, this much of labor, that team will always win. And if your competitors hire this team and you get this team, devastating, devastating effect, especially when you look at multi-year investment. Oh yeah, and it's it's one of the bigger mis. I mean, I mean, you've seen this all the time where you onboard uh, an attorney and you look at a broken car, and you realize you can't even fix the car. You have to buy a new car, <laughs> and it's it's a it's a common thing that happens when we we see this a lot when um, when attorneys work with you know a local consultant, if you will, like who works down the street, build some websites. That person will work with someone overseas where there's no accountability. Uh, there's no checks and balances on who's changing what on your website. And then you hire your niece to do some social media management. The passwords are forgotten. I mean, these are very common stories. And uh, it's it's the price. It's the real price you pay when you go yeah. cheap. And so, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a warning sign. I think um, at the end of the day, you want to work with an organization in the United States legal organization that has some kind of like competitive advantage you know you i know you have one in your space uh we have ours in, in link in in the hispanic community it's all about you know understanding the value of of what that legal marketer brings to the table i think and not just so much being focused on pricing because it's really short-sighted i think yeah and so here's what hugo's team brings to the table once again i'm just going to recap if you have a decent case flow now 10 20 30 cases a month you can probably double it within a quarter or two by expanding into the hispanic market with advertising through google and other mainstream platforms like facebook instagram etc depending on what your main practice area is you should be expecting a reasonable return on investment of four to seven times of what you put in as long as your base investment is reasonable and when i say reasonable this is a fuel to your vehicle if you want to go from chicago to la roughly 2800 miles you just cannot and you run like a regular gasoline powered car you can't say 10 gallons is good enough right it ain't good it's gonna get you to nebraska <laughs> that's yeah. where that's where it's your journey good. is going to end so when it yeah. comes to advertising that budget is the fuel that your vehicle needs to get to where you want to go. Can't fund it with 10 gallons of fuel and say, I'm going to, to LA. So Hugo, great, great, great insights. Abogadosnow.com, great website. Check out the FAQ section. It's going to fill in whatever gaps I left open here in this podcast. Hugo, people can connect with you. I assume on LinkedIn, I have, I have it open. Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. You can search for Abogados Now or my name, Hugo Egomez on LinkedIn. You could also email me directly, hugo at abogadosnow.com. That's my direct uh, email. Happy to set up a meeting if you ever want to meet uh, over Zoom or in person. I'm based in Los Angeles. Uh, but yeah, it, it was great talking to you, Sasha. Great questions. Likewise. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Grow Law Firm podcast. If you liked the ideas shared in this episode, Help a fellow lawyer out by sharing a link to the episode. This episode is powered by the team of experts in client attraction, growlawfirm.com. Do you want a complimentary growth plan for your law firm? 
request it at growlawfirm.com slash blueprint.